He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy. The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. On this episode of The Rematch, I sat down with DeMatha High School product in PG County, Markel Fultz. We talked about the incredible journey he has had in the game of basketball. From not making varsity his sophomore year at DeMatha, but becoming the WCAC Player of the Year his junior year, to being the number one pick in the NBA draft, but having a shoulder injury that is typically only seen in baseball players. Markel had everyone count him out, but he persevered through the criticism. His story is one of the most inspirational stories of our time. This was an amazing interview. Hope you enjoy. Mr. Markel Fultz, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm blessed. Man, I, I appreciate you coming on the rematch. Um, basketballnews.com, Fly TV. Um, you know, your your journey is really one of the most inspiring NBA stories um, of the last years. I mean, you turned your entire career around. And, um, you know, when many in the NBA, all the the so-called experts, Mm -hmm. you know, whether they're being paid a king's ransom at ESPN or FS1 or whatever, or the know-it-all of social media, Mm -hmm. the self-proclaimed experts, (laughs) um, a lot of them really, you know, wrote you off. They really kind of left you for dead in the NBA sense, of course. Um, you know, but you were able to really prove a lot of them wrong. And I I, I personally love stories like this because yeah. they're so inspirational. You know what I mean? But I want to I go all the way back. Well, let's slow walk through the whole process, but I want to go all the way back to DeMatha. So, you know, my son Malcolm is a sophomore at DeMatha um, this year. And, you know, as, as I told you, he's, he's a huge fan of yours. Yeah. You know, all of his all of his boys, teammates, you know what I mean? They just yeah, look yeah. up to you. Yeah. And so he's really one of the main people that have always wanted me to interview you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because he was like, you know, you got to do his story. Like his yeah. story is, is, is inspirational for him. So let's talk about how it all started at the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty much I started off going to the math in ninth grade year. Um, I came in as a freshman. Uh, just coming into first time going to a private school, um, an all boys school, and not really knowing what to expect. Um, just going in open minded. Um, just wanted to put my best foot forward, uh, both academically and uh, on the court. Um, I came in my freshman year. I tried out for freshman. Um, I made freshman. So I actually played freshman my first year at DeMatha. Um, okay. And then going into my next year, uh, kind of like did a lot of workouts with varsity, kind of in JV, but mostly varsity. Um, and I ended up trying for varsity and I ended up getting cut and, um, I ended up getting moved down to JV for the year. And, um, so, 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 so stop there because, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a big part that, yeah. you, that you got cut, um, you know, your sophomore year. And of course, yeah. Dematha is a special type yeah, of a yeah, program, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yes. but, but still you got cut. Yeah. You know, your sophomore year. So at that point, talk about how disappointed, discouraged you were. I'm sure you had thoughts yeah. of transferring. You yeah. know, what was all going through your mind? Um, it was just tough. It was the first time I actually been cut 
Um, I think from a team I've never been cut before. And then just like uh, all the work that I put in to try to make varsity and, and being put down on JV, it wasn't uh, like a disbelief in my talent. It was more so of a like, man, I feel like, you know, should I be taking my talent somewhere else or did I not do enough? Did I miss something? And um, I think at that moment, that was where um, I just buckled down and talking to my mom too. My mom's a strong woman who's, uh, has a big impact on my life. She just told me, you know, when you start something, you got to finish it. So we're not going to transfer. You're going to work through it. Um, and everything happens for a reason. So um, I just took that as a learning experience and really just grind it um, and use that to uh, every day in my workouts uh, during practice. And also when I play games in JV, just to try to, you know, show my showcase, my talent. And um, in a sense, I'll almost prove uh coaches and everybody who thought I wasn't supposed to be on varsity uh, wrong. Not that they thought that I wasn't supposed to be there, but I took it as that and and really just took it as, you know, every possession playing as hard as I could and competing as hard as I could just to try to prove everybody wrong. That's how I looked at it. And um, what a lot of people don't even know is I ended up getting moved up towards the end of the year um, just because I was playing so well. And I ended up getting moved up towards the end of the year playing varsity for a little bit before um, going into my junior year. Um. How was your relationship with Coach Jones? You know, my son's a big fan yeah. of his. You know, how did he help you through this process? How did he talk to you when he decided not to put you on varsity sophomore year? Like, what was the advice that he gave you? Yeah, I mean, it was it was just, you know, continue to uh, do what I'm doing, um, continue to grow as a player, and uh, that it, it was a chance that I can get moved up during the year. So, mm-hmm. again, it was just my mindset. Of just I just wanted to play at the end of the day. Like, I just wanted to play basketball. And, you know, in a certain sense, I would rather be playing JV and playing rather than, you know, playing varsity and maybe not play that much. So right. um, it was a lot of stuff that went into it, but I didn't hold any grudges. Um, I didn't think that it was anything at the time. And uh, again, coach had me in a lot of practices. Uh, he liked what I did. So again, it was just me showcasing my talent to, you know, make him feel a certain way to want to have to move me up or make him, you know, have to make a certain decision of, you know, put me on varsity. So um, my relationship grew as, you know, the years went on. Um, I've been going to his camp even before I was even in high school. So I knew kind of right. a lot about Coach Jones and the man he was and how he carried himself. So I was more so like, you know, again, just a, a life lesson um, of just continuing to work and not, you know, pout, holding your head down and letting that change, you know, what you want to do. So again, as I went into my junior year, again, our, our relationship grown and I ended up winning player play of the year in my junior year. Um, which was a bigger accomplishment, especially in the WCAC, which one of the best conference in um, high school all around the world to me. Uh-huh. And um, again, it just grew. And then going into my senior year, again, having another year there, um, just going out there and playing hard right before I went to college. I think from there on, you know, our, our relationship grew a little bit more as I left school, you know, just keeping in contact with all the guys that were in Damatha, just supporting them. And also, um, coach continuing to uh, build his legacy, and which now he's at uh, Virginia Tech. Uh-huh. Um, and, he, and he actually talks a lot with my mom, and I talk to him every once in a while. But you know, uh, just all the opportunities that you know has made me um, where I am today to have the mindset that I have, starting all the way back in high school. You know, we were being cut and knowing that it's okay to necessarily fail. It's not a failure because you learn from it and you uh, improve. So I don't want to call it a failure. Um, I think it's just a lesson, you know, and uh, it's taught me to carry that same thing in my life that I, what I do now. So one of the things that we're going to hear, like kind of a recurring theme of yours, um, even starting here, is being knocked down and then picking yourself back up. Yeah. And it's been happening through your entire career. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to point out the, the times when that happened because mm-hmm. You know, it's inspirational for younger generation who mm-hmm. look up to you mm-hmm. to be able to understand that, you know, sometimes life is going to throw you some bumps in the road. It's yeah, not always absolutely. just going to all go the way that you plan. You're going to get knocked down and you're going to have to learn how to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and, and push through. And that's really what your story is all about. I mean, you know, coming back after being cut and then winning player of the year, that's a huge jump. Very, very huge. That's a huge jump. So you had to be dedicated, focused, you know, you know, re-energized, everything like that. Um, talk about the, the 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 mental preparation that it takes 
to be able to overcome that. Because I'm sure I'm sure people yeah. wanted you to transfer, people wanted you to quit, people wanted you all kind of different things. Absolutely. Talk about the mental preparation it took. Uh, I think my mental preparation in this and and through my whole career, like in, in my whole life, it's just I love basketball so much that I never really cared about too much what other people had to say. I never really um like worried about what people thought about me. I was always worried about um, going out on the court and just being able to hoop and have fun. And I think that mental um, really helped me just worried about that. You know, the only thing that I would worry about is just going to do what I had to do on the court, um, working hard in the classroom and just grinding. And again, like just knowing that, you know, every day is not going to be perfect and knowing that in order to grow, you have to, you know, go bumps and bruises. That's the only way you can really grow. Um, not only by your mistakes, but you can learn through other people's mistakes. So, um, I just really just I love the game so much that I just stayed in the gym. I stayed grinding. I stayed trying to make myself better. And I knew that um, I wasn't perfect. So I wasn't I was OK with, you know, making mistakes. I was over. I wasn't scared to fail to a certain extent. Um, and mentally, it's just like I, I think I get a lot of it from my mom. Again, her being a single mom and having to take care of, you know, me and my sister. I never seen her down. I never seen her um, pouting, even though I know it you know, especially now being older, that there were times where it was tough and times where things wouldn't go, you know, our way. But right. and one thing I always seen her do, I seen her work hard and have a smile on her face and, and treat people with respect. So um, that was just one thing, characteristics that I always carry with me, uh, not only on the court, but off the court. That's great. That's great. So let's talk about your game a little bit. You have like this kind of like a <laughs> like a street ball kind of back in the day, like an one mixtape, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like it's like a change of direction, a quick, you know what I mean, where it's yeah, hard yeah. for people to stay in front of you, like a yeah. herky jerky type. How did you develop that? Um, it's actually funny, you know. Growing up, I watched a lot of N one. Um, okay, the Holland Globe Trotter. So I always used to love Hot Sauce, you know, Professor, like ever all these guys. And then also like just watching NBA, seeing Brandon Roy, Jamal Crawford, you know, guys that really have a lot of wiggle in their game. And um, it actually started off rough, you know, when I was younger. I actually could shoot uh, very well. And then, you know, I always had big feet, so I was always tripping over my body. So I had to kind of learn how to control my body, even though I was falling. Okay. And um, it took a lot of work, you know, just working on the basics of ball handling. And I kind of just mixing, you know, a little bit of the and one into it. And, and I've learned that, you know, my game is unorthodox, so it kind of throws people off. And like you said, herky-jerky. So right. um, it, sometimes it looks like I'm out of control, but I'm actually controlling my body. It's just the way I move, the way I flow. And... Uh, it just came about like just a lot of time just in the gym. You know, sometimes I'm there messing around, playing horse, playing pickup with my guys, and I'm just trying stuff. And then it's other times where I just I work on certain movements so I can get it down to a T where I'm comfortable enough to do those in the game. Right. That's what's up. That's what's yeah, up. Yeah. So, so you are the consensus number one pick. Mm -hmm. um, and I want you to walk me through the process because Philly traded up in order to get the pick. Yes. Um, and then the Boston Celtics and the Lakers were – um, the other two teams that were, you know, in the mix. Did yes. you have a preference or, you know, did it, did it not really matter? Uh, see, see, this is where it goes back to um, just the love of the game. Like, people always used to ask me, I used to always get that interview. It's like, oh, do you have a team you want to play for? And my biggest thing was I just want to hoop. I just want to go out there and have fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I'm the type of player that I'm so I, I'm always a kid at heart that just loves hooping. And I felt like, you know, I felt like I'm very adaptable to any situation. I just felt like if I'm given the opportunity, I'm going to do whatever I need to do for my team to win. And that's where I felt like what made me a valuable player with also being able to score the ball I would and also, you know, contribute on both ends of the floor. So um, I didn't really have a preference um, going into the NBA. I just wanted to be the number one pick. That was my goal that I had when I was in high school and younger. And I felt like I worked extremely hard through, you know, uh, college to pursue that. I wish I could have won more, um, but I knew I did everything and my teammates, you know, competed hard. We didn't go out there and try to lose games. So um, I wasn't really disappointed. I felt confidence in what I did. And um, the process was kind of crazy. I never knew, even though I was still mock draft sometimes, number one, um, mm -hmm. I never really like took it as, you know, I'm the number one pick until I heard my name called because even in today's day, I, I realized that the NBA is a business and you never know until, you know, <laughs> you actually see it done, you know, so right, you can get traded right. at any moment, you know, all types of things. So uh, even leading up to the draft when I was in there, um, just anxious, waiting to hear my name. You know, I, I know I, I, I hear I'm going to be first. I hear all the rumors. But again, I'm not trying to really sit into that. I'm trying to, you know, live in the moment and, and really appreciate that. So um, just hearing my name called number one, it was just, you know, a dream come true, you know, and it still to this day hasn't hit me yet that, 
No, I was the number one pick. Um, right. Because I still carry myself the same way. I, I treat people the same. I work as hard as I, I did before. And um, it's just a really dope thing, you know, just to, to speak something into existence and then put the work in and then it actually comes true. You know, I was more happy for my family than I was for myself. Right, right. That's great. You know, you made a um, statement that you wanted to be rookie of the year. That was yes. like a goal of yours. Yeah. And, um, you know, that it, it's, it's was it a lot of pressure you know, to put that, because sometimes when you make a statement like that, did, did it put a bullseye on you? Like, did it, or, or you know, was you ready to live up to, you know, the pressure, deal with the expectations, everything like that? Because nah, that's, you know. that's where my confidence was. I, I believe I said I wanted to be uh, rookie year and MVP. And I, and I, MVP. Ser- right. and I seriously meant that. Um, I believe if I was healthy my rookie year, um, that I could have had a good possibility of achieving all those. But again, that's just where my confidence level is. And that's how I carry myself. That's how much I believe in um, the work I put in. Um, if you ask people growing up, I used to always tell my, you know, tell people that I feel like I'm the best in the world. Not cockiness, but yeah. that I, I believe that I can compete with anybody. Right. Um, you know, and that's just the way I carry myself. I, I come out with the edge that I believe that, you know, the work I put in will always show and the God gifted talent that I have, you know, will show too. So um, I think that it, I think it just put a lot of spotlight on me, but it was nothing that was, too much for me. I feel like I've been through almost everything in my life as far as pressure. Right. And um, I feel like that's what makes me the player that I am. When pressure comes, you know, I, I stay the same. I don't, try, you know, I don't try to speed up. I don't try to slow down. I just, uh, I think that I refer to my habits. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of people don't understand that your habits come out when you're under pressure. So I just try right. to, you know, practice the right habits. So when that time comes that, you know, it's the same thing. Now to clear it up, um, there was never any beef between you and, and Lonzo Ball or, you know, you trying to disrespect his game or anything like that, right? Uh, because because I didn't take it like that, but I saw a lot of, you know, articles that were trying to spin it that way. So just to clear it all up. Um, yeah, not at all. I mean, I, I, he's an unbelievable basketball player. Um, I never talked down on any man. You know, they put their pants on just like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely believe in my talents. Like, again, uh, that's what I'm supposed to say, you know, when I'm when I'm asked about another guy. You know, I'm not supposed to say another guy's better than me. But, again, I have respect for everybody I play. Um, I respect all men that I play against. But, you know, again, I go back to believing in my abilities that I, I put in. And I believe that, you know, with the abilities that I have, that uh, I can play better in certain situations. So Understood. Understood. So, so let me ask. So you get to Philly, right? And I want to ask you this because how you meshed with, Ben Simmons. And mm-hmm. the reason why I'm asking this is because, um, you know, to me, you both were ball dominant, mm-hmm. you know? So I didn't really understand how it was thought originally to work to how you all would complement each other, yeah. like what the plan was, because you mm-hmm. both were ball dominant. He, mm-hmm. you know, point guard. You, so how, how did that mesh? Like, how did, how did you see it working or <laughs> Again, I, I just I just seen it as a basketball player. I feel like, you know, and most of today's NBA, you see two guards on the floor. Um, I just, again, my biggest thing was doing whatever I needed to do for the team win. So if that had him pushing on the board, I just wanted to give him space, uh, make it easy for him, and just try to create and make everything easier for him. So, um, again, my, my main goal was just to go out there and do whatever I needed to do and win. So I it didn't matter who was on the floor with me. I'm mm-hmm. um, just going to do whatever I needed to do to help our team win. And I feel like, you know, we had times where we played really well together. I just feel like it was so much hype around, you know, certain things of certain people being a point guard, you know, the way that, you know, my, my shoulder was going without me shooting as much as I did in college at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all this speculation and all these hopes and, you know, people had what they wanted to happen. And when stuff doesn't go the way they want it to go, you know, everybody just starts talking a lot. So, Again, that that goes back to me just worrying about myself and just working on my game and, you know, my teammates. You know, I know they all knew I was out there competing for us to win and the same with Ben. So um, that's that's just the way it went. So you mentioned your shoulder. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you injured your shoulder and you initially tried to play through it and not tell anybody about yeah. the injury. Um <laughs> And right, am I am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so, so walk walk me through that process because people don't really understand yeah. how it works sometimes. And yeah. you know, you know, I'm sure the pressure of being number one had a con, you know contributing factor a little bit about why you wanted to play through the injury. But walk me through that 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 process. Yeah. Well, 
a lot of people don't just know just my love for the game. You know, growing up in the area I grew up, you know, you have bumps and bruises. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where where it comes becomes a business and taking care of your body. Um, and me being who I am, loving the game so much, I feel like uh, although my shoulders mess up, I feel like I can still contribute to the game and help my team win. So I wanted to go out there and just compete and have fun with the game. Um, and also, it's my first year in the NBA, NBA, and I think that I did a poor job of communicating to my agent and my family uh, what I was feeling instead of just going out there and trying to compete um, without expressing what I was feeling. Um, and all, all I was doing was making it worse. But when I realized that, you know, certain situations weren't, weren't going my way, um, I knew I had to speak up and, and I had to do what's best for myself. And I think that was the toughest part about it because I, I felt like I could still play and contribute to my team, but I wasn't myself. I wasn't 100%, and um, it wasn't what was best for the team. So I took that time to, you know, try to figure out what was going on, and I went to go see certain doctors and um, started that rehab process then. But uh, I think the biggest thing that I learned from that is just, you know, taking care of my body and communicating that, you know, what I feel to not only my, my agent, my family, but also trainers and, and stuff like that. So how long were you in pain before you told anybody? Um, I actually, my shoulder had been starting like a little bit before training camp, um, in training camp, but me knowing me, I just thought it was from how much work I was putting in for me shooting so much that, you know, my shoulder was just, you know, sore. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to work through it. You know, I'm going in the gym, shooting thousands of shots, making thousands of shots, you know, trying to shoot through it. And, um, the whole time I'm just, you know, continuing to make it worse. But again, the mindset that I had, you know, I'm just trying to grind. I'm trying to continue to, you know, work through these issues and not knowing that I'm making myself making it worse, you know, again, I'm just just kind of being young and being selfish, I, w- I would call it in a sense, with uh, not understanding my body. Um, and I think that was a, a big part of it. And again, once I communicated, I started to get the help that I needed and I started to to work and, and rehab and and it started to get better. You you mentioned you learned how to advocate. Yes. Um, for yourself. I want you to go in a little more detail with that and speak up because still a lot of people don't really understand how it works with team trainers and team yeah. doctors and how yeah. a lot of times players have to speak up and advocate for themselves. Just go into a little bit more detail about that for me. Yeah. Um, and there's no shade on any team or anything mm-hmm. like that, but you know, it's a, it's a business at the end of the day. And sometimes, you know, Again, it's a long season, so you have bumps and bruises, and sometimes some people play through it, and some people don't. Certain, you know, everybody's body's different. So, uh, especially not knowing a person and not knowing the situation, um, if you don't communicate and advocate for yourself, uh, you never know uh, what can happen, and uh, it can be something as small as your toe hurting. But what I've learned so much about my body is your body compensates, and we're so good at as athletes and as humans that. If we're trying to do something, our body's going to find a way to do it. So it might not be the right way, but we can do certain stuff and hurt ourselves down in the long run. And so my one thing would be um, is is try to be in tune with your body as much as you can. And as small as your toenail hurting, I mean, you know, you always get this phrase of you're soft or you're um, whatever. But uh, what I've learned is I'd rather... Uh, over communicate about how my body's feeling and still be able to work out. I, don't, I still want to work out, but I'm going to let you know, Hey, my big toes hurting. Hey, uh, my right hamstring is feeling like this today. My knees feeling like this so that they can start to know that you're caring about your body and you're documenting certain stuff. So you don't end up uh, compensating and, and hurting yourself down the line, you know, in the long run. You know, it's interesting, you know, you go to different gyms um, and they could be even as young as high school and you see phrases like painted on the wall, yeah. like, Pain is weakness leaving yeah. your body and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And I hate that. Yeah. Like I do because it puts the wrong mentality yeah. in, in, into players to thinking that yeah. them being injured is somehow their fault. Like they're mm-hmm. not being tough enough to yes. play through an injury. And I, I I just personally cannot stand that mentality at all. Yeah. And I think that's that's the like that's how I kind of grew up. Like not in a bad way. I don't think that it's it, – but it, I think that the way that you look at things, um, like again, like growing up, like – I'm playing through whatever, you know, like, I'm not, I don't want to be soft. I want to show that I'm tough. But when you get to a certain point where your, your body is your brand, your body is your car, your body. So you need to take care of that thing. Like it's, you know, like a Ferrari, like you hear phrases like that, but it's mm-hmm. true. Like you have to take care of your body. You have to get the right recovery. You have to get the right sleep. If not, it's going to end up hitting you. It might not hit you right away, but down the road, it can give you certain side effects or you never know. It can lead to something, you know, 
happening right away. But there are also freak accidents that happen. But uh, I think that's the one thing that I would recommend to any player at any age is just communicating about your body. doesn't mean that you have to sit out of a, a drill, but um, it can start to put an awareness on people's mind. You can start to document certain things and you'll have a better understanding going forward of why you do what you do. But but I think that sometimes you, a player does have to sit down. A player does have to say, okay, I can't go. You're going to talk mm-hmm. bad about me. You're going to tell. So so I use the example a lot with my son about RG3. Mm-hmm. So when our, RG3 first came to D.C., my son was the biggest RG3 fan <laughs> on earth. Yeah. And then we, I took him to like a, um, um, you know, when they have the open scrimmages. So, yes. he, so he met him. And RG3 was like cool with him and they took a picture and biggest RG3 fan, you know, forever since then. And you remember that game where RG3 was limping out there and he was, and so I'm watching that game with Malcolm and he was like, why is he playing? What is he doing? He's going to injure himself more. This is what a young Malcolm is saying. And sure enough, and that is entire career, the trajectory of everything went downhill from there. And then you saw, the the trainers say, well, I didn't tell him to go out. Another part, nobody want to take responsibility. No, he. But but it's it should be exactly. the trainer's job to tell you that you are going to hurt yourself more if you continue playing. And that's the problem that I personally have with a lot of NBA trainers. It's not throwing anybody in particular under the bus. This is a league wide issue. Is yeah. that they're employers and- of the team and they want to do what's best for the team, not what's best for the player. Exactly. And that's where it comes back to a relationship. So you have to have the certain people in your corner that's going to always keep it real with you. Because at the end of the day, like I said, your body's your brand and it's about the longevity. Like it's different if it's game seven, you know, in the playoffs or championship and you're, you know, sacrificing for that. But, you know, early in the year or certain times in the year, you know, uh, what I've also learned is rest is a big part of, you know, recovery and and, and getting the right amount of rest. Like some days you got to go hard and some days you have to, you know, not do anything at all. I mean, you can do right. some light stuff, but um, I think that's like, – you hit it right on the head. Like, you know, some people's mind is set for the team. Not everybody has the best interest in yourself. You have the best interest in yourself. So I think that's why it's huge to communicate how you feel, you know, to whoever it is, whether it's your mom, your dad, your trainer, um, whoever, and do what you feel is best because you know your body the best. Nobody else can tell you how your body – it's supposed to feel, how your body feels at that time, you know? Right. And um, I think that's where I learned how to advocate the most for myself. And I've got more respect from a lot of people when I do that, you know? Definitely. And again, it doesn't mean you saw, doesn't mean that you don't like to do certain things. It's just being smart uh, about certain things. But at the same time, you do have to push yourself at certain limits to be able to, you know, it's going to be certain days where you're sore and you still have to push through. Um, that's mm-hmm. part of it, but it's a difference between sore and hurt or pain, yes. you know? Right. So right. just trying to learn the more, the sooner you start to um, communicate certain things, you start to learn what's pain and what's okay to work through and what's not to work through. And that's where right. I think I've learned the most. I've learned how to uh, identify what's going on in my body and understand, you know, what I need to do to make that feel better. Or if I need to take rest or if I need to go get treatment, you know? So, yeah. I mean, like I, I always heard the saying that there's, there's, there's difference between being injured and hurting. Yes. So sometimes you're going to have to play through being hurting. That's just yes, part of, exactly. um, of being an athlete. Exactly. But being injured, you need it's to sit down. Story. You know exactly. what I mean? That's totally exactly. different. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, I, I want to add a few specifics. I I remember seeing some videos of you uh, watching you play mm-hmm. and seeing your different routines on the free throw line. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask what, what was was that with when you was trying to push through it? Was a part of the rehab? So there yeah. was one where you would you would kind of pat the ball like yeah. this and then shoot it, and then there yeah. was somewhere it would you would go up and it would be kind of like a like a like a hitch kind of like what was going yeah. on with 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 those? So what a lot of people don't know is what TOS is. It's a nerve. Um, it's like when your nerves are getting pressured on, and you start to lose feeling in your hand. Um, certain things like that. So at the time when I was playing, I still had TOS. I didn't, I wasn't diagnosed with TOS. I still, um, I, I still was working through certain shoulder stuff. But again, okay. my love for the game, you know, I still wanted to be out there. And when I would do so, the double, so, so TOS, let me just say, it's thoracic, thoracic outlet, outlet syndrome. syndrome. Okay. Yes. All right. And uh, TOS is another thing people don't know. TOS is not diagnosed through an MRI, um, CAT scan. It's very hard to diagnose uh, TOS, which is 
you know, a big part of why, you know, in the beginning, I kind of thought that nothing was going on. And I just thought it was my shoulder because when I got MRIs and I got the, you know, scans, I didn't see anything that was going on. But I had to continue to, I know my body, you know, I know how to, I went from shooting 40% in college um, to coming to the NBA. It's so funny. People like, he changed his shot. Like, what would I change my shot for? There's no, re- no reason. Right. So that was one of the funniest things that I heard. And then I used to hear all these rumors about motorcycle, but that's another. Oh, man. Another thing. There's yeah. so many different <laughs> yeah. rumors. And, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about that with me because yeah. they got the story wrong so many times. Like, I've heard that, so many different stories. And that's what was the funniest thing because um to me like I never went out to address because I didn't care about that again my main focus was getting back on the court doing what I needed to do but some of the stuff I used to see I used to be like yo that's crazy that somebody actually like believes with and but it also taught me another thing you can't believe everything you read right right (laughs) um but yeah so like pretty much what people didn't know is so when I'm when I was going the whole thing on my shoulder when I would try to shoot it almost felt like I had a too small suit jacket on so I would go try to go up and it felt like somebody was almost holding my arm. And that's like, I would try to move fast, but it, I felt like I couldn't move fast. So what I end up doing is continuing to try to shoot on it. I end up building up more and more um, pressure on my shoulder where I'm not using it right. I'm starting to hinge my shoulder up. I'm starting to use the wrong muscles mm. and I'm building, I'm building bad habits. Um, but what people don't understand is I'm out there playing still, you know, still trying to shoot, still doing this. I was still making free throws. I wasn't very high percentage, but I was still making free throws. And so uh, the first thing when I would go up, sometimes I would lose feeling in my hand. And so that's the reason I double clutch because I would get here and I wouldn't feel like the ball was in my hand. So, but when I come up, my feeling will come back because I'm, because the way it is when I'm going through a certain motion, my muscles Uh are pushing on my nerve, which is cutting my feeling off. Uh And when I go through, it releases off the nerve and that's when I'll get my feeling back. So when I would do the double clutch, it was because I, when I would get here, I wouldn't feel like the ball in hand. So it was no way I was shooting if I don't feel like the ball in my hand. So I would go up a little bit and it would come back. So I would just come from here and shoot the ball. And uh-huh. so when I went to practice, I'm like, all right, that's not working. So let me try something else. So another thing I tried to do was this wouldn't have me holding the ball. So the desensitization of just moving the ball back and forth until I get it to where I get feeling, which is right here, then I can just shoot. I, I, can, I was fine shooting from there. If I had just caught the ball here and shot up, Okay. It, was, it was perfectly fine. So that was why I went to that because I was just trying to be more efficient at the free throw line. I didn't care what people were saying. I was just trying to right. get my flow in. So when I got to where I needed to go, I can just shoot the ball fine. Um, but again, that was another realization of me compensating. And I said, Markel, mm-hmm. you don't need to compensate. You need to get healthy. And that was another instance where I talked to my, my agent. I just told him, like, you know, I have no problem playing and I, I I just feel like I, I want to be myself so I can just go out there and play, you know, without thinking, just playing my game, be who right. I am. Right. And so that's where it kind of went from. But um, just a lot of, like, repetition of shooting the wrong way, it just builds bad habits and hmm. it builds your muscle memory wrong. And so that was, like, the biggest thing, trying to get back to – and I'm still working on now. Something I'm always going to have to work on is just trying to get my brain to process the ball being over my head the same way. And it's something that, you know, is an everyday grind, but I'm enjoying it. You know, I feel com- way more comfortable now and I feel the improvement. And again, I know my body, so I know what I need to work on um, to get to where I need to go. Wow. No, you, you mentioned the media and how they, I mean, I would say they keyed on, in on you like vultures. Yeah. That's how, that's how I yeah. would phrase it. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not just the Philadelphia media. Yeah. This was like all the media everywhere, you know, and it, I, I remember seeing this clip of your teammate uh, at the time, JJ Reddick, having guy. your back. Tell, tell yeah. me what happened with that. So pretty much, you know, it, it was kind of weird to me. But um, again, no knock on anybody. But when I was in Philly, you know, I would work out in the back. But uh, the media will always be in there. I, I was never really allowed to work out. Um, after. And again, I never cared, but I knew what was going to happen. You know, everybody wanted to see what Markel was doing. I was the number one pick at the time. You know, everything's going on. Um, but you would just see guys continue to, you know, gravitate towards trying to record me and try to, you know, put out whatever they could because, you know, as a reporter, I understand they have a job and they need to make headlines, but um, they were just always trying to get on me. And JJ happened to be shooting in front of them and uh, me and him have talked a lot. He was like a big brother to me. And um, he understood, like, what the media was doing. Um, it didn't really affect me um, to a certain extent because, again, I knew what was going on. But 
uh, he just stood up for me. You know, he 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 was pissed of of them recording me and just continued to focus on me so much. And um, I don't know exact. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he he went off in front of the camera, just you know, pretty pissed about them. You know, just continuing to mess with me and record me. And uh, I really appreciate that uh, a lot. And again, it was just showing like the big brother that you know he was to me. And it was just a grind, you know, a grind of just I had to block out the media because you know. Um, it was so much BS out there that, you know, yeah. if you continue to read it, it can bother you. So I just stayed off of, you know, social media um, and all and just worried about, you know, my family and trying to grind, you know, and get back to the game I love. You know, the, and I think it's great that JJ stood up for you for that. That's how a vet's supposed to do yeah. um, for his young player. Um, yep. You know, but the media, like it, it's, it's so frustrating. You know, I, I remember when I was playing and I, I had um, – open heart surgery while mm-hmm. I was playing with the Wizards. Mm-hmm. And so I had my surgery. I'm, I'm in the hospital bed and, you know, a few days after recovery and stuff. And I'm reading an article from the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan Carter was the, was the reporter. And he got all the facts wrong. Mm-hmm. Like what I, what I had, what, what it was related to, yeah. related to other people who, who had, who like died from heart surgery that had yeah. nothing that wasn't even close to mine. I'm like, you can't do that. You have yeah. to before you report something, and this is the Washington Post. Yeah. You have to be clear on what you're reporting. Yeah. And you know, I, I wrote an article back to him, and you know, I got it, um, you know, in the in the post, and he wasn't happy. You know, reporters don't like when you correct them. Absolutely, absolutely, but it's but it's their job to get the facts right. Before, yeah. I know they want to be first in breaking news. And, you know, and this is nothing, you know, I'm not calling Ivan Carter out. This is yeah, a, yeah. a bigger issue yeah, with all of the media. Um, you know, just how important, it, because with you, there were so many different stories, not stories of whispers, actually yeah. articles, articles of yeah. saying, like, you had a motorcycle accident, yeah. you dropped the weight <laughs> on your shoulder, yeah, yeah. You all this different stuff. And I'm like... And, <laughs> and I think that's where, um, again, like, where I say you can't believe everything you read, but a lot of people think that just because a reporter put it out, it's factual. <laughs> right, right. And like one thing that I learned until I talk to the source of the person or until I talk to, you know, somebody that's involved. And even then, you know, I can read something, but mm-hmm. I don't know how true it is. I, I can take it and read it, but I'm not going to judge a person or, or assume something about a person just because either somebody read something to me or I read something about somebody. Until I meet that right. person and interact and ask them, I'm not going to, that's, that's just how I am. But a lot of people just take off again, what they read. They think that just because a reporter wrote it, that it means it's factual. But I think that's a big issue. But again, that's what their job is. Their job is to make people click on their link and, you know, try and And, and that's what makes it tough, you know, but at the same time, that's where I just try to focus on what I can control and um, just try to keep my same character, be the same person that I'll always be and let my game do the talking. Now, how many different doctors and specialists did you had to go to and visit before you was diagnosed? Um, I went through a lot. I think it was it might have been like six or seven. Wow. Again, I, I think that uh, I was going to certain doctors and again, it was MRIs. But I did start to realize, figure out more and more from each doctor I went to. Okay. And they were leading us in the right direction. But I think that's where the patients came in. Um, I think that was probably the hardest part is trying to diagnose my injury because for me, the mental of knowing that something's wrong with my body, but I'm going to the so-called people who um, are the specialists and doctors, but everybody specializes in something else. And they're saying like, you know, yeah, there is something, but it's not, you know, this, it's not that, you know, and, and me just like, all right, it's not this. All right, I'm going to go to, you know, work out the next thing and just grind and try to figure out, you know, trial and error and some things. Mm-hmm. But when I finally went to the certain doctor that diagnosed me, um, he was just expressing certain things and it was exactly what I was feeling. He didn't even mention anything. Like we were just like, do you get this when you do this? And I'm like, man, that's exactly what happens when I get this. And that's when I, the first time I had the aha moment, like I I believe that this is it. And we did certain tests and it, and it added up to, you know, what TOS is. And what a lot of people don't know is there's two options to TOS. You can get surgery or you can do rehab. (laughs) And when you get surgery, they remove your first rib. (laughs) <laughs> they remove your first rib? Remove your first rib. Because most of the time, it's pressure on the nerves. So when you remove the first rib, it gives you more space for those um, nerves to be released and decompressed. But um, I had had little success with uh, rehab already. Um, mm-hmm. But when I had went back to 
playing, I, I didn't keep up with my rehab and it started to progress backwards again. Oh. So I, I wanted to try, you know, doing rehab and rehab was successful. Um, the only thing that about, you know, nerve is there is no time period on when a right. nerve, nerve heals. So that's probably the toughest thing. Like knowing that I'm going to have an everyday grind of some days I might feel good, some days I don't. Um, but I understand that and I understand what I need to do. But um, again, the toughest part probably of that whole thing was trying to figure out what was going on because um, I knew something was wrong. Um, just happened to go to the right person to figure it out. Now, how were the 76ers throughout this process? Were they supportive? Did they not want you to go see specialists? Did they want you to stick to their team doctors? What? How were they through this process? Um, it was kind of like, I mean, my agent did a great job of just getting me what I needed. Again, I think that that's where the agents come in and also take care of your own body. You're always, um, you can always get a second opinion. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I really suggest that for most players, even though, you know, I love the doctors that we have in Orlando. You know, Philly had their doctors there. But, um, again, it's always good to get a second opinion because one person might have something. You never know, you know, and it, it doesn't hurt. And second opinion can always reassure you. But they were uh, – I don't really remember too much, but I don't think it was like a big – like, I remember just going to do what I need to do with my agent and handling my business. Like, again, at that point in time, I feel like – me personally, I didn't feel like I had enough. And I didn't want nobody to protect me, but I didn't feel like I was being um, treated like, you know, a number one pick. I didn't mm-hmm. feel I didn't feel disrespected, but I didn't feel like, you know, like how JJ stood up for me. You get what I'm saying? I didn't have right. my organization standing up for me. And mm-hmm. which, I mean, they're not entitled to, but again, that's what made me go into, um, I got to do what's best for myself. Right. And once I do that, I'll be able to do whatever I want. I don't care. As long as I have opportunity, I'll be able to just do whatever I need to do on the court. So that's where my focus came into um, get healthy, Kel. So Wow. You know, how, how were you? You know, JJ definitely supported you um, vocally. Did, did any of your other teammates support you? I mean, even not even vocally, but just yeah. internally? Did no, you feel that? My, no, I, I felt at home. I love Philly. My teammates were amazing. Um, okay. They treated me like home. Uh they were all good. They all believed in me. They they seen my talent that I had. So, you know, they were all encouraged. Uh, actually, another guy that was really big with me was Jared Bayless. Um, okay. He was another guy that, you know, was a mentor just talking to me, Joel and B. You know, we all were just cool. So, like, the experience there was uh, amazing. Like, I didn't feel, like, hated or anything. Like, I felt okay. very loved. Even from the fans, I think a lot of people get confused because – they hear people in media talking about how the fans treated me bad, but I never felt like the fans treated me bad. I felt like, you know, they always showed love when I was in the game. You know, they were very supportive. Uh, they were very happy. I got standing ovation when I came back, you know. And, right. and I understand that Philly love, like, you know, they die and breed their team, you know. So they're going to get on you if you're doing bad. They're going to love mm-hmm. you doing good. And that's kind of how my mom raised me, you know. Like, you're going to get that tough love of, you know, you need to do what you need to do. And that's, like, coming from the area of DMV, like, that's all we breed. So, like, I would, yeah. that never bothered me. But I think a lot of people got confused with, you know, the media talking about all oh, the Philly fans do this, do that. But, you know, I always felt love when I was there. So this is a part now that I want, you know, really young people, young players, you know, I'm going to show this part over and over again to my son and his teammates about how you persevered through the ridicule. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't play in the area of social media, in mm-hmm. the era of social media. I, I, I don't even know how y'all do that. It's <laughs> yeah. a completely it's different crazy. thing than what, you know, I didn't have that. Yeah. Um, you know, but the memes, the, yeah. the, the jokes, the yeah. ridicule, the, you know, um, Stephen A. Smith on, on ESPN <laughs> saying that you're a bus, you know, yeah. how, how did you handle all of that? Um. I use, I mean, some stuff I thought was funny. You know, I am human. So, again, me and my, I think another thing, I have tough love around me. So, ain't nobody going to be more tougher on me than myself and then also my my close group of friends and family. And so, you know, I'm always going to be honest with myself. I think that if those things were true about, you know, what they were saying, I think that's where it starts to affect you. But I knew those things weren't true, so it really didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing is, again, understanding that, um, everyone's human and that what somebody else says about you doesn't mean that is you have to look at yourself that way. Uh, I think that you have to hold yourself to a, a certain accountability ability of um, a believing in God two believing in your work ethic and three, having fun with everything. I think that's always been my mindset of just, you know, enjoying the moment and enjoying the process of, of what I have, because again, 
Um, I didn't know how anything happened, but I knew that I was playing a game I love. And then out of nowhere, I couldn't play it to the best of my ability because of an injury. And so I learned to have an appreciation for every time that I went to work out, every time that I stepped on the floor. And I think that's what carried me through everything, like not really caring about, you know, what people say, because I knew what was true about myself. Right. I didn't let somebody else say, oh, he did this, that, and the third bother me because I know that I go and I put myself in the position where I'm working as hard as I can and I'm doing everything that I can to help my team win. So I think that it's all about, you know, believing in yourself and understanding that um, everybody's not perfect. You can't be afraid to fail. You know, I know <laughs> no matter what, nobody's made every three-pointer in the NBA. Nobody's, you know, 100%. So it didn't really, it didn't really matter to me. I think the the biggest thing that kind of I felt disrespected in some some ways because a lot of people saying I had mental issues and right. and this that and the third, but I knew that the people that was around me knew that I was to be able to go through what I went through and still be here. I don't see how people can say that because I know a lot of people that would have quit, would have gave up, you know, would have would have not wanted to play anymore, would have not went out there and played with the injury I had, but I didn't care. I was out there front line in front of millions and millions of fans shooting the way I was shooting, playing right. the way I was playing because I didn't care about that. I, I knew who I am. I know what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the part of the toughest part because there were times I would want to say stuff, but I know that my work and what I do will always, I was trying that, and, you know, it's not about, you know, always clapping back at somebody because again, sometimes you clapping back shows that that statement is true. So uh, my biggest thing is always just believe in the work and, and everything will take care of itself. Wow. I mean, that's that's amazing that you have that uh, amount of wisdom, especially at such a young age. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm sure I'm sure you still had times of being discouraged. Absolutely. I, yeah. That's, a, talk- that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's another thing. Like, I don't want people to think that I weren't. It wasn't times where I was down. It wasn't times where I was upset. It wasn't times where I asked why this happened to me. But mm-hmm. I didn't, the thing about that, I didn't let those those things linger. Um, I'm human. So, you know, it's going to happen where, you know, it happened when I was feeling the best of my life. You know, I would, I would have a bad shooting day and I'll come home and be like, yo, like, what's going on? Right. But that's where it comes to, again, um, not letting that sit in too, too long and understanding that it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to fail and using that to... Uh, practice building the right habits of having the right mental next shot mentality next you know play mentality and understanding that it's okay to feel bad you know and the biggest thing is not to dwell in that negative energy too long right i think my mom was a big uh, preacher of that you know understanding that you know things are not going to always go my way but i can't sit there and pout the whole day because the day keeps moving you know if i do that i waste the rest of my day so it's okay to to feel sorrow to feel down to to be upset but don't let it last too long because then that's when it starts to affect you so i think that was one thing that always worked with me is i it was okay to have this moment. it was times i cried Mm -hmm. but i knew that that fuel for me crying will add to my workout later or will go to better because I knew that better things were coming. I was already rock bottom, if it's so-called to say. That mm-hmm. the only way I could go was up. So mm-hmm. there's no, like, there's no, there's no point of beating yourself up more than you have to, you know. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. But understanding that, you know, there's better things ahead. That's great, man. That's that's really powerful. So, yeah. so, so now you're in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And in Orlando, it was like a new beginning for you, like a chance to kind of just start all over. Mm-hmm. And you looked happy, yeah. like you looked like you had the you know joy while you yeah. was playing. Yeah. Is that is that kind of how it felt going back to Orlando? Yeah, it was just because I've been away from the game so long. You know, not being able to play the game I love. That was what I worked all the way up to. And then again, like you said, having a new opportunity with clean slate. Um, it was just another opportunity, and that's all I asked for. You know, every day I wake up, and when I pray, I just ask for an opportunity to grow. And that happened to be my opportunity, and that's why I tell everybody, you know, you, you control what you can control until your opportunity comes, and then you have to take advantage of it. And I just felt right. like um, all the work I put in, I had a chance to be back on the court. And again, like I said before, um, I had a different appreciation for the game, like knowing that I have no control over when maybe I can't play no more or what something might happen. I got to enjoy the moment that I'm in. And that's when I started to realize, like, Kel, go out here, have fun, compete, but mm-hmm. enjoy it. 
enjoy. And that's what I just, I, that's even, I carry that to this day, like just enjoying every moment. Every day I step in the, on the court, every time I wake up, it's a blessing. So I just try to enjoy it and, and make the best out of it. You know, in, in your first season in Orlando, you played 72 games. Yeah. Um, you put up 12 points, mm-hmm. three rebounds, mm-hmm. um, a team leading five assists per yeah. game. Um, you know, you had that that jerky crepe, uh, playground magic back. Yeah. And, you know, explosiveness, you know, especially in transition. Yeah. Like nobody could stay in front of you in yeah. transition. And, you know, you were amongst the top in the league in, in, in that department. Would, yep. Wouldn't you agree? And then on the defensive end, you know, you was using your size mm-hmm. to kind of like almost bully ball a little bit some of the shorter point guards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or some mm-hmm. of the smaller point guards. I mean, it looked like it was clicking on all <laughs> yeah. cylinders, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think that, you know, again, it just it just showed like when you go out there and have fun, my God gifted ability and what I worked on just started to show again. And you can just see, you know, like they say, like, why they drafted me number one. And I think that's my biggest thing. Every time I go out, I just go out there to compete and have fun. And I think my abilities that I have is the reason why I got drafted number one, because the things I do, um, some come natural, some things I work on, but I just try to use my God size, you know, my, my playmaking ability, which is one of the things I love the most is I feel like it's something that I still can do every day. And um, I just try to bring that to my teammates of just knowing that I have their back and that I'm always mm-hmm. going to be there for them. And I feel like defense has always been effort. You know, uh, defense is an effort thing. And, you know, some guys are more skilled than others. But uh, the biggest thing is as long as you give effort, that's all you can, you know, you can hope for. I can live with the results if I give my my heart, my all my hardest. You know, I did notice that. A lot of people that had all the mouth, all the negativity, <laughs> all the saying you was a bust, they got yeah. real quiet. Yeah, it got like quiet. They, they didn't say, okay, I was wrong. He proved me. They just got yeah. quiet. Yeah. You, so you noticed that too. Yeah, absolutely. But but <laughs> I, that's my favorite part about it. You know, I love when people doubted me. That was like one thing that like I took with me my whole life. Like if you said I couldn't make a shot, I would sit there and shoot it until I made mm-hmm. it. Um, And that's the one thing I, I, I pride myself on is I love proving people wrong because I, I don't know. It's just something about that that makes me feel good. But um, I knew they were going to switch sides. You know, that's mm-hmm. how the wave goes. A lot of people want to go against you when you're down and jump on the bag wagon when you're up. But that's why you got to know who the real ones are because they're going to be the same no matter what. And um, right. that's why I love my real fans and the real supporters out there. And um, all the other people, you know, I have no hard feelings. But, you know, that's why I do what I do just to prove to you that, you know, I'm a, a caliber player that I am. And, you know, your, your mental toughness and, and perseverance really paid off. You know, you got a, a $50 million rookie extension uh, with the Magic. Then I was seeing um, NBA insider, of course, uh, Wojo, uh, Major Wojciechowski. Yeah. Um, he, he said, uh, I don't want to quote him, he said, Orlando has been thrilled with his progress there. And he's become a key part of the franchise's future. Yeah. It's, it, it's got to be great to hear that. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's a blessing, man, just to know that. To have somebody who appreciates, you know, the hard work and they can see the person you are as a man first, but also what you bring to the basketball court. I mean, it's what you dream of. It's what you put the work in for. And to have somebody support me the way they do, I mean, it just makes it easier to come in every day and just give it my all because I know the people there actually want what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, that's why I love it here. You know, I just I, I appreciate the opportunity that I have here and I want to take full advantage of it. Yeah, now – so, so eight games into this into the season last year, yeah. um, you had a devastating injury. You tore your yeah. ACL. So now you have to pick yourself up again. Yeah. And talk me through that process of yeah. everything that you had to do mentally and emotionally and physically to pick mm-hmm. yourself up once again. Oh man, it was it was crazy. Uh, just going into the season, a lot of people didn't know that the, the right before that, um, I had, my son was born July twelfth. Um, right before I went in the bubble, I had my son born. So okay. um, that was a blessing. And, and then going into the bubble, I had a motivation. But coming out of that, coming into the next season, I had a lot of motivation, especially spending time with my son, having a new family. And just all the stuff I've learned um, going into the season. I, I started out the season very well. We all did as a team. And just going into that game, you know, when I made the move and I felt my knee um, do what it did, at first, I didn't, I didn't think that it was an ACL, but I knew it was something. Um, but I, pre- I, I was already mentally prepared for the worst. I wasn't like sad. I was kind of, I was pissed off a little bit because I wanted to play. But mm-hmm. um, I understood that everything happens for a reason. You know, I just literally signed my extension. I want to say the day before I got hurt. Oh, I didn't and, know it was that soon. Yeah, that, that it, was close. Like either, it was either a day or two days right before I got hurt. And wow. so, 
again, that just showed me that everything happens for a reason. God knows what he's doing. And right. I had a newborn. So if I was playing this season, I probably wouldn't have been able to spend as much time as I would right. have being hurt um, with my son. And also being through my shoulder, I knew that the knee wasn't nothing. I know that they have a timeline of, you know, things you need to do. And then also having J.I. on my team who's uh, towards ACL, I've seen the progression of, you know, that he's made and how good he's looked. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really too worried about it. You know, I looked at it as, again, it's a blessing, an opportunity, you know, the rest of my body. Um, I also get to work on other things, my shoulder, my, my legs, my body. So my mindset automatically turned into how can I make this an advantage for me? And um, that's exactly what I did. I started getting in shape. I started working on my core. I started, you know, having time to do stuff that I never had time to do before because I was so busy doing practice and I had to go to Mm -hmm. get treatment and go home and then come back. But now I had longer days where I could actually work on, you know, everything. I can communicate. All right. I want to work on my ankles. I want to work on my calves. I want to work on. And it was truly a blessing. So, Going into that injury, I just, my mindset was just, you know, it's going to be a long process, but never look too far ahead. Again, it helped me realize that um, step by step, you can't go to the staircase and just automatically look at the top. You got to take it one step at a time. Right. And that's what I learned. So I take it one day at a time, just go on my day, just attack the day as hard as I can, and then live for the next day. Also have goals for long term, but I'm not worried about later. I'm worried about today, what I do today. And, and going forward. So, I mean, I've been feeling amazing. My body's probably felt the best I ever felt. Um, I've had time to spend time with my family. Also, um, spend time with my teammates, just supporting them and helping them and seeing the game from a different angle. So, this has all been a blessing. I'm feeling really, really good. That's great. You know, I was looking at your media day um, the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw the first thing that they asked you was about your timetable. Yeah. And, you know, I, I looked at you and you didn't look pressured. Yeah. You didn't look rattled. Yeah. You just calmly said, you know, <laughs> there's no timetable yeah. now. I'm just working on hard and rehabbing. Yeah. And you looked at peace. Yeah. And, you know, I just want you to talk a little bit about, you know, what it takes to get to that place where you're at peace and you're not you know, because this is really for younger players. Yep. You know, everything about you, players younger are going to be watching yes. to see because they're going to come through some adversity. Yes. Things are going to happen. So seeing how you handled everything is really inspirational to I mean, giving them the blueprint of how to be able to pull themselves out of it. So it's I can't say enough how much respect I have for you yeah. for that. But um, yeah, how did you come to that to that level of peace? Uh, one, just knowing my body. I think this became with advocating for myself, understanding that uh, I know my body well and that I don't want to rush anything. That's the biggest thing. I think in the beginning, I started to try to rush things. Mm-hmm. And I understood that, you know, you can't rush, <laughs> you can't rush greatness and you can't rush the process. Uh, it becomes an everyday process. Some days are going to be good. Some days are going to be bad. Um, and I think a, another big shout out and is one thing that happened when I got traded was the organization. Uh, I never felt pressure to play on um, the organization. The biggest thing was we want you to be 100 percent. We want you to, you know, feel good. And and, and it's going to be a two way street of when you go back on court, you, you know, what you expressing to us that you feel good. And also when we do the uh, right test that we feel like you need to do, um, that's when you go back out. But it's a two way thing. It's not going to be just, you know oh, we want you to go out there and you got to go. Um, they always made it very, um, very sure that I knew that there's no rush. You know, they want me to take care of myself and especially signing a new extension. I, I'm not in any rush at all. You know, I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm giving my team the best me and I want to give myself the best opportunity to go out there and be the best me. So um, that's where I kind of got more mature of understanding because it's still times now where I'm out there just watching my teammates play or if I'm working out and I'm feeling really good, I'm like, man, I want to go out there and, you know, I want that. I think I'm ready to go. Home, right. But I, I got to understand that it's a process and it's not a rush because if you do that, you can set yourself back further than you already are. So um, just understanding that, you know, my love for the game is something that I kind of have to hold off sometimes because seeing them compete and wanting to help them so much, uh, I want to go out there. But understanding that uh, I just would be hurting not only myself, but the team if I'm if I'm not 100 percent. No, I understand that. I understand that. So I, like I said, much respect to you. You know, my mother would always tell me this saying, and she would say that sometimes uh, the things that you go through aren't meant for you. They're meant yes. to help somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. And you're the the perfect example of that. And everything that you've you know gone through, that you've persevered through, that you've had to deal with, and everything. 
um, is really going to help a lot of people. So I just want to tell you much respect to you, man. I'm rooting for you. Um, you're going to have a lot of people, um, especially here in the DMV, yeah. all rooting for you, all yeah. in DeMatha, all over, you know, um, all the young guys love you. So much respect to you and keep keep doing your thing. No, I think I just want to say one more thing before I go, just to uh-huh. everybody out there. Um, and anything you want to do in life, it can be a school, you want to be a doctor, whatever. Um, just, you know, my biggest thing that helped me was setting goals for myself, um, believing in God, listening to the, the people that actually care to me, and not letting anybody tell you that you can't do something. Man, because, that's great advice. That's great advice, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely appreciate you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, keep doing your thing. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Thomas 36 Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.